0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, we're very excited that you're with us today, connecting with us on our online campus. we got a great message for today. We're in uh, week number three, talking about revival, talking about positioning ourselves in a message called Tsunami, catching the next wave. Today's message is called Awaken the Sleeping Giant. I guess everybody's in the same flow. Pastor Chris is praying for it, Pastor Lindsay's singing about it, and I'm preaching about the same thing. I wanted you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52. We're going to weave in Mark chapter 10 and Amos 3 as well kind of weave a tapestry here of something that I believe is going to be very powerful for you. You doing okay today? You were a little quiet in worship. Are you all right? Okay, first service comes in a little sleepy once in a while. Come on now. The whole message is about awakening. Okay? All right. Isaiah 52 verse 1 is a prophetic message that Isaiah brought to Israel. And it's very appropriate for us today Isaiah 52, verse 1 says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. That's the Old Testament declaration of the church of the New Testament. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem. Isn't that the crearest thing right there? God says, I want you to stand up, then I want you to sit down. We'll talk about that later. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Loose yourself from your collar and your leash that the enemy has placed around you. Mark chapter 10 says, now they came to Jericho, the city where the walls came down, as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And am talking about Bartimaeus later. Finally, Amos chapter 3, verse 7. I love this. Surely the Lord does nothing, nothing, Amen. nothing, unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? I believe we live in a time of a fresh prophetic flow of God that he has spoken and he's still speaking today. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today and awaken us in your love and in your power. We need you to show up today. In every church in Marion County, in Alachua County, in Lake and Sumter, Citrus County, Volusia, everything that borders us, God, we trust in you to do it. In Jesus' name, send awakening. And everyone that believed it said, Amen. amen. Last week we talked about revival, what it is, what it isn't, and how to know when you need revival can see it any, uh, anytime at nowchurch.com. It's available right now. Um, at the end of, very end of 1970s World War II movie, Tora, 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 upon receiving congratulations for wiping out the Pacific fleet of the U.S. Navy at Pearl Harbor, Japanese Admiral Yamamoto makes this statement, quote, I fear all we have done, is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. I wanna read it again. Thought we had it to go on the screen there. You can read it with me. I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. Last month we talked about, we talked about giant killers and dragon slayers and how the enemy can look like a giant. Today, I want to tell you that in reality, you're the giant because Jesus lives in us and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. What definition of revival is this? To awaken the sleeping or raise up that which has died. My friends, you and I were born to have a vibrant relationship with our creator. That's why he went to all the trouble to send his own son, Jesus, to live the perfect sinless life that we couldn't live and to die a horrendous death to take all of our punishment, to take everything we deserved and instead take the punishment on himself and to take everything he deserved in perfection and give it to us. We call it the great exchange. The great exchange that you and I were born to have a relationship with God as our heavenly father and it's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be vibrant. It's supposed to be... Something that you wake up thinking about and something that you go to bed considering and contemplating on your heart. I've often said that as a child, I was a very sound sleeper. My, my dad um, did his uh, postgraduate work, got his master's and his PhD from Michigan State University. Now we got a lot of Michiganders someplace in the church and I got a few Michiganders here anyway. Um, so from the time I was, uh, my dad was getting his master's when I was about three, four, five years old. We lived in East Lansing, Michigan, and during that time, when we first moved there, when I was—I guess I was just turned three at the time, um, maybe—we moved into a little apartment, and it was right next to the railroad track. That's why it was so cheap, and we could afford to live there. And my parents said that every night these trains would come by, and not just—you wouldn't just hear the whistle; you would feel the shaking. They could feel it. And they were so, oh, my goodness, our son's never going to get to sleep. And so they prayed and prayed, oh, you know, help our son, help our baby to sleep and sleep through these trains. And so from the time I was three years old, I can sleep through anything. Uh, I, had, I remember one time I was, we were at our grand, my grandparents' house in Ocean City, New Jersey, where they used to have their summer place. And we would go there and visit them and stay. And one night uh, there was a fire next door and the fire department must've come. And I was sleeping in my grandfather's study where he would, he was a preacher and I would, you know, be in that room with all these books and Bibles. And I remember having trouble going to sleep. But when I woke up, everybody said, well, you, did you hear it? Did you hear what happened? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, well, the, there was a fire next door last night in the The whole, it was like everything was going crazy and you didn't, you just slept right through it. Some people have the gift of sleep. I have the gift of sleep most of the time, especially when our kids were young. I would wake up sometimes in the morning and say, did they sleep through the night? It's awesome. My wife would just look at me like you don't even know. And so sometimes there were these moments when I would, uh, you know, when I had to go to middle school, my, my mom taught in the elementary school that I went to and then suddenly I was in middle school. I had to get up before my mom, but sometimes I, I especially on those cool mornings like we're supposed to have this week, you know, those cool crisp mornings. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I would kind of wrap up like a cocoon I just have kind of a breathing space, you know, so that's kind of how I, I sleep even today if it's nice and cool in the room and I just kind of kind of get, get, uh, get wrapped up there like a mummy and uh, my parents, when they would have to wake me up when I got to middle school, uh, they would come in and, and they would, and they'd rise and shine, rise and shine, that was always the first one, rise and shine, so nice, so sweet. Sometimes I didn't get up when they said rise and shine so sweetly. And so the second warning was always the same. It was get up. You need to get up now. A little more firm, a little stern. And sometimes I would. And sometimes I wouldn't. The third time my cozy covers were always pulled off quickly, and my parents would say, I said now, I said now, and they'd pull the covers off for what I call the rude awakening. (laughs) The rude awakening is my whole world is now messed up, and I don't feel cozy anymore, and I'm not happy about it. I believe 2020 is the I said now version of God's word to his church. With me? I believe 2020 is that I said now, and the covers are off. God is saying it's time to get your house in order, it's time to have some fresh priorities. You know, sleep in scripture always symbolizes something, it always symbolizes prayerlessness, prayerlessness. In the scriptures, Jesus said, while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. While men slept. It wasn't about natural sleep. You know, natural sleep is important that you get your time. You know, babies need, right now, our, our new baby granddaughter we dedicated last week, Kylan Elizabeth Kennedy, She's, uh, she's now, oh my gosh, I didn't even count. This, I guess she's like nine, 10 weeks, she's probably 10 weeks old now. And she needs a lot of sleep, but she's needing less and less and she's getting more fun and smiley and you get to that stage where they're smiling and cooing. And I love that. Sometimes toward the end of your life, you need more sleep again. Sleep is important, but the Bible says this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, so shall poverty come. Like an armed robber. And pull the covers off as well. Leaving you exposed. Sleep symbolizes prayerlessness. Jonah went to sleep in the lowest part of the ship while he was running from God. And when the storm hit, the crew found Jonah and said, wake up, you sleeper. Wake up, you sleeper, and call on your God. Wake up, sleepyhead. It's time to pray. We're about to die here. Something's going on. And Jonah rose up. Here he was running from God. And he got up, but he didn't fully wake up until he arrived at the Whale Billy Hotel. Too much sleep often indicates depression, escapism, trying to hide yourself from the reality of how you feel. My friends, prayer is the pulse of the spiritual life. Prayer is the pulse of the spiritual life. It reveals the true condition of the heart. It reveals, it's about the circulation of the blood of Jesus, the circulation of his blood through your being, through your spirit, soul, and body. And prayer is supposed to be exciting. It's about connecting with your Father. It's supposed to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, that builds you up in faith and edifies you and strengthens you. We make excuses that we don't pray. And, you know, prayer, prayer, it is essential. It's, it's the lifeblood. It's the pulse of the spiritual life. Now, before I was saved, I was raised in church all my life and I believed in God, so I thought I was a Christian. But I didn't know God. And so I had a prayer life, but my prayer life was praying for stuff. My prayer life was more like we prepare our Christmas list for Santa, you know? Here's what I need now. And I'm telling you, by God's mercy and grace, he answered a lot of my prayers, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know to pray in Jesus' name. I didn't know to 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 be thankful and worship Him. I just knew that if I had a test, I prayed hard. And if I didn't study for that test, I prayed harder. And if I was going for uh, a next level and a reward, an award of something, and in, in band, I was if I was going for first chair or something like that in the trombone department. I was, I was praying. I was believing. I was there. But I didn't have a relationship with God because he, it wasn't revealed to me yet that he was my father. I couldn't see what I couldn't see. Now, I had a prayer life, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm <clears throat> not talking about just going through the motions. I'm talking about saying your prayers. Listen, we, you know, most, most people, their parents taught you you know, say your prayers at night. Say your prayers, and you know, bless so and so, and bless so and so. We had a prayer in um, in our family that was the blessing prayer. It was the parent chief family blessing. It was written, I guess, by my great grandfather, who was also a he was a Methodist pastor. My grandfather was a Methodist pastor, and uh, my great grandfather wrote this prayer. He was he had seven kids, and. um And so they'd pray all together and they'd pray this. God bless this food, which now we take, to do us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. Nice, simple, forthright prayer. Now, my grandfather was the youngest. He was number seven of seven. And so he describes that in that parent-chief household back in the early part of the 20th century, when they'd be praying that prayer, he was having to get his fork ready and based on the hunger of the family, is how the cadence of the prayer went. My Aunt Marilyn, I called her uh, Auntie Marilyn, my crazy aunt from New Jersey. If you've been around for a long time, you know that's the one that prayed me into the kingdom. She used to laugh at our family blessing because the hungrier you were, the faster it went. She called it the, the choo-choo train blessing because it would, could go, God bless this food and child we take to do a scope of Jesus. Say, Amen. And often did. If I was leading, And so my grandfather used to describe that he would, he had to have a, sometimes he had, he had fork marks in his hands as the seventh child by going forward as soon as the blessing was done. And yet, you know, so anybody from big families, you know, probably know what I'm talking about. But the reality is that prayer is not supposed to be just going through the motions. And so we make these excuses and we, we call things prayer that aren't real relationship because we go through the formality of something. And then we have excuses for our lack of prayer, which is usually, well, I, I just, I'm just too busy. God understands. I'm just too busy. I'm busy. Life is going by fast. Uh, I'm working all the time. I'm, I've got responsibilities. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to do life. The problem is the too tired excuse doesn't work with God. Because if an old friend showed up unexpectedly at your house, you'd probably go out of your way to clean up, prepare some food, and spend as much time with them as possible even if you were busy. If you felt you were actually getting something valuable, then prayer wouldn't be such a chore. And it really goes back to your concept of God. My friends, when your prayer life is inconsistent, when it's wimpy and nonchalant, you're probably running on empty. You're probably not filling the tank. Your, 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 your spiritual car is out of gas, and pretty soon you're going to be on the side of the road and you're going to wonder what what's happening, what's going on. And that goes, I don't care how spiritual you are, how long you've been walking with the Lord, if you don't have a prayer life that is vibrant, and vital. First of all, you can. Second of all, you should. Third of all, you must. But fourth of all, it's all about you making yourself available. It's not, about the, it's not about time spent. You don't get credit for spending hours. But spending time, quality time with God. James chapter five, verse 16 from the Amplified, the end of the verse says this, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer, earnest, not like, you know what I mean, Vern? Three people will know that joke, but anyway, that's an old joke. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, dynamic in its working. When you're passionate about your prayer life and you're spending time with God, this power, this dynamic power, this dunamis dynamite power begins to work in you and creates such a longing that when you start to pray, it gets easier to pray. It's like working out a muscle you haven't worked out in a while. And we've been in 40 days of prayer. Today is day 29, I think. 29. 29 days of prayer. Can I tell you, prayer is so much easier than it was day one on the 40 days, If you're praying with us, believing with us, it's easier. Why? Because you're getting your muscles back. You're getting getting in shape again. You're you're getting ready. And so it's important that you realize what that is. And prayer life, my friends, listen, it's about relationship. It's not about you just going through the motions. It's not about saying your prayers. It's about dynamic relationship. So that goes back to your concept of God. Is God a grumpy old man in heaven who's waiting to smack everyone who messes up? Is he punitive? Is he a judge and an old man that can't relate with you, that just has all these rules in his book? And when you mess up those rules, that's not what what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a father, a heavenly father, who wants the best for you more than you want it for yourself. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to be in good health. He wants to bless your marriage, your family, your children, and your children's children. He wants to do great and dynamic things in your life. The problem is he, can, he has set up a system whereby he only responds to somebody on earth asking him, to do his will in faith. Asking, believing. Listen, the Bible says, if you ask for wisdom, but you don't believe he's able to do it, if you're just asking, going through the motions, you're like a a wave that is tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from God. Why? Because you got to ask in faith, believing you receive. And so what happens is, if you get this understanding that prayer life is about relationships, then it doesn't become such a chore. It's something that you want to do, that you get to do, and you don't do it out of obligation. Now, obligation, when you get in the habit, listen, if obligation gets you there to prayer, that's okay. But it can't be just out of obligation that you actually are in prayer. It's got to be about that relationship with your heavenly father. Spending time with daddy, with Abba, In Isaiah 52, there's a strong warning from the Lord to his people. For your own good, Zion, the church, you have to wake up. That's what God says. Awake, oh, wake, oh Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. We'll talk about that in a moment. Instead of nurturing your covenant with the Lord, the Bible says that God talks to his people and says, you've gotten away from spending time with me and you've been flirting with the world system. You've been flirting with their values and their morals and you've become bound and you don't realize it. Awake, awake, put on your strength. Awake, awake, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments. That's God's righteousness. The Bible says our, our self-righteousness, our own works, our own works, our own self-righteousness. Hey, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I didn't murder anybody today, God, so I'm doing good. I didn't commit adultery today, I'm okay. okay. No, it's not about keeping the rules. It's about having a relationship with your heavenly father. And the Bible says that our righteousness is like we're wearing tattered clothes, filthy rags. But God has given us a robe, a royal robe of righteousness, of his rightness, His right standing with God. See, righteousness sounds like one of those heavy duty religious words and it it just means to be right with God, that you can be clothed, you can have a, a, a robe around you, a covering around you of the covering of God. Why would anybody in the right mind choose rags over robes? God says, here's what I want you to do, shake yourself from the dust. What is dust? You know, the Bible says out of dust we were created. Out of dust, God made man. Shake yourself from the dust is to shake yourself from your old nature, from your sinful self, from the old way. Listen, you keep feeding your, if you keep feeding your old nature, your old nature is gonna dominate and your prayer life is gonna go right out the window. But you feed yourself on the word. Feed yourself on the word. Drink in the Holy Spirit, Get that relationship. Keep that dynamic relationship with God dynamic in that way. Instead of let it become boring. Listen, if it's boring, God didn't do it. Okay, if your if your prayer life is boring, let me just tell you this: God's not boring. Okay, God's never boring. So it's not about God's not doing anything. It's you're not engaged. Any more than any more than you can be married to your spouse for. 10 or 20 years and you lose interest, and now you're in the same room, but you're not together. You're in the same place, but you're 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 each thinking thoughts out here separate from each other. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Take a step toward him, he takes a step toward you. Shake yourself from the dust. In the words of Taylor Swift, just shake it off. Just shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Shake off the dust. You got to throw off all that stuff. You got to throw off the temptation. You got to throw off all that stuff that's trying to pull on you because it's there. When you sense the world's pull more than the drawing of the Holy Spirit, you're already in trouble and don't realize it. And then the scripture says, Arise, arise and sit down, arise, then sit down. It's not talking about God changing his mind. Like, oh, stand up, oh, sit down. Oh, stand up, sit, okay. Somebody's been in that kind of church where you kneel and then you stand and then you cross and you do that and you do. it's, it's just all about calisthenics, you know? It's not about that. Arise, get up, wake up and get up. I sit now. And when you get up, the Bible says you take your rightful seat seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. And now the enemy's not over you. He's under your feet. That's what the Bible says. You now have authority, you step into that authority. Arise and sit down. Take your place, take your seat. My friends, we're filled with a, we live in a world where everyone is living by their feelings, Everybody's living it's raw right now. People live my feelings. The Bible says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, which is your own feelings. But you don't understand I'm confused about my identity. I think I'm this that and the other because I feel. Doesn't matter what you feel. He created them male and female. He's closed. I'm not saying you don't have feelings. I'm saying your feelings lie. But God's word is the truth. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. Prayerlessness, here it is, allows your lamp to be put out. This is why, this is why it's so important to spend time with God. Prayerlessness is, is a spiritual sin that allows your lamp to be put out. The illumination. See, the Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path. And when you aren't spending time with God, your eyes grow dimmer and dimmer. And you lose your spiritual sight. Think about this word, insight. Insight. The inside of seeing what's going, what's really going on. When you spend time with God, He'll show you what's going on. You'll be more clear. Even what you, and you'll see what the truth is above your feelings. Without revelation, the Bible talks about blindness. And so we come to the story of blind Bartimaeus. I believe in the story of blind Bartimaeus, we see the condition of the Lord's church as a whole. Has been one of drowsy, half asleep at the wheel, spiritually blind people. And when that happens, my friends, we are left begging for scraps from the world system instead of being the conquerors we've been called to be in Jesus' name. In the story, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and on, it says, as they came to Jericho, this guy named Bartimaeus, who was blind, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. We've been talking about repentance the last few weeks. This is a man who's trying out for repentance. It's a desperate, heartfelt prayer. My friends, revival begins with a prayer of repentance, which is a try for mercy. That's exactly what Bartimaeus goes to do. Then the crowd that's around Jesus, even the disciples begins to do what? They begin to shush him. Shh, this is Jesus. Calm down, calm down. You need to be quiet. Instead, the Bible says this. Bart cried out all the more. Amen. Louder and more intense. <clears throat> Pardon me. He became uncomfortable for the establishment. He became too, he, he was embarrassing the disciples. He was embarrassing the crowd. He was embarrassing the people. Like, what are you doing? You're getting too excited. Calm down. And so he cried out all the more. This is where I believe the church is right now. Not just now church, but the body of Christ I believe we've been walking around in a a blindness condition because prayer has gone on the back burner. Prayer has become like the spare tire in the trunk of your car instead of right there in the front seat, right there with you. Prayer is a vibrant and vital relationship. There's a portion of God's church that has become blind to what God is doing prophetically because they've focused their spiritual eyes on worldly thinking and circumstances. Thus they sit on the side of the highway begging for others to help them. But where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Until Jesus passes by and they hear the sound, even though their eyes are dim, even though spiritually they may be blind because of prayerlessness, because their heart has grown cold to the things of God, if you could just hear the sound, of Jesus passing by. If you can just hear the sound of his visitation, if you can hear the sound that Jesus is moving, he hears a sound and he said, what is it? They said, it's Jesus, he's passing by right now. And he begins to shout, Jesus, I'm blind. Have mercy on me, I can't see you, but I need your mercy. Come on, church people. You religious people, just shut up. Just toe the line. Just wear the mask and obey us. Just do what we tell you to do. Shush. And you get it from the world and you get it from the religious. And God's sick of it. Because He loves you. And His plan is for you, it's not against you. Remember, prayer isn't a punishment. He's not saying, pray, 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 pray an hour. Pray 30 minutes. Pray three hours. This is, this, is what you're, this is your punishment. No, prayer is that connection with your father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Prayer is that relationship. Bartimaeus may not know exactly what the sound was, Right now, the body of Christ may not even recognize what the sound is. But I hear a sound of bones rattling. I hear a certain sound. I hear a sound of the ram's horn. I hear the sound of God moving. I hear the sound of something happening. I hear the sound of Jesus passing by. And I proclaim this to you, if you can hear the sound it's time to lift your voice and shout. If you can hear the sound, it's time to lift your hands and cry out for mercy. If you can hear the sound, then you've got to lift your voice and say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Jesus, it's you and me. I can't see anybody else anyway. I don't care what they think. It's you and me. Jesus, son of God. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on your people, your children. Lord, open our eyes again. May everyone that has ears to hear be given new eyes to see Jesus. Amazingly, Jesus didn't listen to the crowd or the disciples. Listen to this. Jesus heard Bartimaeus. He didn't hear the crowd noise. He didn't focus on the naysayers and the shushers. He heard a voice crying out for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. And the Bible says he commanded him to be called He commanded him to be called front and center. The Bible says, listen, Jesus hears this voice crying in the wilderness, crying in the crowd, and Jesus stood still. That's what the word says. God stopped. Heaven and earth for the cry of one man realizing he was blind, but that Jesus was passing by. And Jesus stood still. You may be busy. You may think you're too busy for God, but he's not too busy for you. You've got God's attention when you're crying out to him. You've got God's attention when you refuse to bow down to the mob that tries to shut you up. You've got God's attention. Then Jesus commanded him to be called. He didn't just say, bring him here. He commanded, Jesus gave a command. I want that guy here now, right in front of me. At that point, at least the the world was still in a tumult. The world was still going crazy. But you know who changed the disciples? Oh my goodness. And they ran and got him and said, Jesus is calling you, blind guy. Come on. They lead him up to Jesus. And the Bible says this. This is powerful. He rose... What's the Bible say? Awake, awake, you sleeper. Put on your beautiful garments. Arise and sit down. They said, bring him to Jesus. The Bible says he arose and came to Jesus. Take your rightful place of authority. The Bible says this man got up. He was down and he got up. He was down, and he got up. Are you down today? Are you feeling down? It's time to get up. You down? Get up. You down? Get up. If you're, if you're feeling broken, if, you feel, if you're asleep, if you're spiritually asleep, if you're walking through your life like a zombie just asleep, have a sleep, it's time to get up. I said now. Wake up. Why? Because God has something for you. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This was Bartimaeus' miracle day. He's been led there his whole life. And the Bible says this Getting up, read the scripture. Get up, getting up, he threw off his old garment. He took it off. What was that? Talked about a few times here, it's so important. A blind man had to have a garment, a special like like the like the like our parking attendants, our parking team, wear those you know vests that kind of stand out kind of show okay they're they're out there I got to see them they're, they're marked they've got that special um, you know, special color, that special uh, neon right there so you stand out and so here they are and the, the Bible says and in the times of of Jesus, that these people, if you had a disability, you'd had to have an authorization from Rome. The government of the time, you had to have an authorization to be able to beg. Because if you were authorized, you couldn't beg. So he was authorized, he was registered as a, as a beggar. He was professionally a beggar by that garment. But he didn't just come to Jesus. He threw off his garment. It's not just faith is not just what you say. Faith is an action. This guy threw off his insurance policy. He threw off his his promise that he could be out there tomorrow. He threw off his, he threw off what he, this was, this is what he trusted and this is what he believed, this is what helped him, this is what God, this is what authorized him with the federal government. He could he, the United States of Rome gave him the permission if he had that garment. But if he didn't have the garment, he might he, he, he's gonna, he, he won't be able, he won't be able to beg tomorrow. He rose. And he threw off what he was trusting and what he was believing. What he had had rested in all of his life, he he threw it off. He he cast it on the ground. Why? Because when he came to Jesus, he knew something powerful was going to happen. He understood that this wasn't just, I'm going to get a blessing. This was, this is the one that I heard that can open my eyes and I can see. many people today choosing worldly permission to just be beggars. He threw off the comfort he'd been depending on. He threw off the security he'd been depending on, believing for a miracle. I love this scripture, Romans 13, 14, I'm almost done. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Put on Jesus. So he wasn't just taking off his old garment. He was about to put on Jesus. He was about to wear... A royal robe, whether he knew what was going to happen or not, he was about to wear royal garments that were not his. They were Jesus. Jesus asked him, What do you want? He could have said, Well, uh, I just need some finances. I'm a beggar, you see, and I'm authorized to beg, and so I just need to keep begging. But if you give me some money, I won't have to beg. If you give me a large amount, I won't have to beg tomorrow. Jesus said, what do you want? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. He said simply, I want want my sight. Why? Because if I can see, I don't have to beg anymore. If I can see, I can work. If I can see, I can... Serve. Are you tired of being blind? Are you tired of blaming everyone else for your condition? Are you ready to truly see spiritually? Do you hear Jesus calling for you? Pastor Lindsay, come help me if you will. Do you hear Jesus calling for you today? He's responding to your worship, He's responding to your prayer but you got to get up. You got to arise and shine because Jesus is calling. And when Jesus comes in, blindness goes out, sight comes. My friends, it's time to wake up. 2020 is not a bad dream. It's an alarm bell. Say it again, 2020 isn't a bad dream. It's an alarm bell. God said now. You're the giant. You're the only thing holding back evil in this world by the Holy Spirit and Him living in you. You're the only thing between between this world collapsing and the people around you being blessed. You win. If you just wake up, the Bible says in the book of Joel, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm in God's church. He said, now it's time to wake up. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, would you come and move in this place and change us from the inside out? Father, would you set us free from our slumber today? Would you set us free from our sleepy attitudes and the things that have been holding us back, areas where we've grown complacent and comfortable and apathetic, areas where we've just accepted Everything that the world says instead of trusting in your word. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch everyone in this room and everyone here in the sound of my voice connecting with us online. In the name of Jesus, it's time to get up. It's time to shake yourself free. Loose yourself from your bondage, from your addiction. God can heal you. But you've got to take the collar off first. You've got to take the the yoke off, the leash off right now, off of your own life. There's a sleeping giant in this world called the church. And it's time for everyone who hears the message to wake up, stand up, and be who God has called you to be. If you're here today, or you're connecting with us online, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Right now, right where you are, just do something by faith. Just lift your hand up. Just cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on your church. Have mercy on our community. Lord, we need you in Gainesville. We need you in Ocala. We need you in the villages. We need you in Central Florida. We need you in this area. We need you afresh in our nation, God. Don't forget your covenant. Don't forget the covenant. Even when your people have walked away, wake us up to it. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. You say, my prayer life hasn't been what it should be. But I want to want to pray. I want God to move in me in a new way, spiritually. Maybe you've never been born again. That's the beginning. That's the first step to have that relationship with God. Because if, if you don't have a relationship, I can see why it's just religious because you just go through the motions. It's about the relationship first. Because when was received, him he gave the power to become his son or his daughter, If you're here today connecting with us right now, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be born again or I want a new strength in my spiritual life and walk with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand up right now? All over the place, just lift it up right now. Just say, Father, I need you right now. Just say, say this out loud with me. Just say, Jesus, breathe on me. Forgive me for the areas of my life where I've been blind where I've been deaf, where I've been asleep, I ask you now to remove the blinders from my eyes. I want to know you in a real way, personally. Change me. Forgive me from the inside out. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. If you meant that prayer in this room, you meant that prayer you need to tell somebody. Here, here's the other thing. Sometimes we, we, don't, we don't, because we haven't had a lot of altar calls for eight months or a while, maybe nine months now. The Bible says this. When you receive him and you're for real about it, you have to tell somebody. Jesus said, if you, if you reject me before men, then I reject you before the Father. But if you confess me before men, if you tell somebody, I just received Jesus, or I prayed that prayer today. You'll tell some people on your way out, on your way home, God will make that even more real to you. And it will begin to take root in your heart by your own confession, amen. Thanks for joining us at NOW Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.